Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Armchair Survivalist. My name is Kurt Wilson. I'm your Armchair Survivalist. Today is September the 15th in the year 2019, and welcome to my show. Just so you guys know, I have a bunch of different ways that you can listen to me. Obviously, you are listening to me now, so you know how to listen to me, but I have a whole bunch of different ways that you can listen to me. I've been picked up by so many different podcast organizations, it's, it's astounding. Now, you can go to armchairsurvivalist.com and click on chat room, and you can listen in the chat room. You can also talk in the chat room, ask questions in the chat room. Um, I will probably, I'll be there in the chat room most of the time to where I can answer questions, make comments, what have you. Or, or now here's the cool thing. There are different places, uh, different apps, both for Android and Apple and your computer that are playing me now. One is Stitcher, then Anchor, then Player.fm. I'm on Spotify. I'm on iHeartRadio. You can listen on TuneIn. Also, the Internet Archive, or more lovingly referred to as the Wayback Machine, has me on there as well. You can listen on your phone. You dial 641-741-0371. Now, this is not toll-free. And some of your carriers, they won't allow it. Just some of them. Not all of them, just some of them. So it's it's a, it's a crapshoot, you know. But it's area code 641 641- Seven four one zero three seven one, and you can listen on on uh, your your cell phone. Also, Global Star Three Satellite. If you go to armchairsurvivalist.com on any of the pages, you scroll down, and you'll see all of these. And I'm getting new ones each each week, it seems. But Global Star Three Satellite, Galaxy nineteen transponder five, KU band frequency eleven eight three six, symbol rate twenty point seven six five. That's the same feed. That uh, Jeff Rents is on, America Tonight, USA Prepares, my, my friend uh, Vince Finelli, Alex Jones, Power Hours on that. So armchairsurvivalist.com, and scroll down, you can see all the different ways that you can listen to me. So I, I think that's kind of cool. It's it's cool. And I and I do have somebody working on a, an app, uh, so it'll, com- uh, it'll be a combination of Survival Enterprises, my business, and the Armchair Survivalist. So we'll see uh, when he gets done with that, what's, what's going on. Well, let's see. So let's get some business out of the way here. We're closing out uh, the water filtration systems that we've carried for 25 years. As a matter of fact, we've done su- such a good job closing them out. I have one left. I have the large one. This this one does can do 25 to 50 gallons a day if you want it to. It's a, it's the uh, LP5, the Aquasera LP5. It's a large one. It has five 10-inch filters in it. We're also closing out the solar panels, the heirloom seeds, grow it yourself, hottest peppers on earth. And just other things. If you go to, in fact, go to my website, uh, the company website, S.E. Samuel Edwards, the number one, S.E.1.us, or survivalenterprises.com, either way, and you can see everything that we sell there. And uh, you scroll down on the left-hand side, you'll see on sale or the latest sale or closeouts or whatever. Just click on that and you'll you'll find it. I still don't have the goat milk soap up. I am sorry, but we're, we're selling out of it. <laughs> It's stuff. This stuff works really well. It's in bars. It's, each one has a unique smell. These goats are hand milked in Montana. It's a family-owned business. They make everything by hand. It's astounding. The smells. If you come in our store in Hayden, Idaho, I'll allow you to walk along the counter and uh, stick your nose out and smell all the different things. It's just, it's great. It, it, anyway, so it's there. It's going to be on the site soon. By the way, winter's coming. Some of you are looking at me in the snow, going, "Yeah, duh." Because it is snowing already in certain parts of the United States. 
The problem is that we sell products, liquid products, and these liquid products will freeze. Colloidal silver, colloidal minerals, Lugol's iodine, just anything liquid. And as a rule of thumb, not just from us, but from anyone. If you're going to buy liquids of any kind, do it now. Get them shipped to you now. Do it as quickly as possible. And to help you out, we're putting our colloidal minerals on sale. Most of you don't even know what colloidal minerals are. So I'll go ahead and explain them to you. Basically, it's a liquid. Uh, it comes from uh, the, the area of central Utah where the Paiute uh, Indians were. In the 1920s, a rancher named Thomas Jefferson Clark, he had all kinds of physical problems. He, he was, everybody thought he was on his last legs. He owned a ranch out in that area. And he was, uh, he was basically met by one of the elders of this certain tribe and said, look, we've got this spring way in the mountains up here. And if you go and you drink from it, then it'll heal all of your problems. Well, what has he got to lose? So he went there, and he went up in the mountains, and he and he drank from this spring, and it tasted, it tasted like dirt. I mean, it was not like you can't say, oh, this is the best tasting water I've ever had. No, it tasted bad. But in a very short time, he started to heal. He would come up there on trips, and he'd get he he would take water back with him and be drinking it during the day, and he'd go back, and he went he did this for a couple of years, and finally. He asked the uh, the elder, "What what is this? What's causing this?" And the elder goes, "Well, I don't know. It comes from way under the mountains, and we don't know exactly where what it is, but we do know it helps heal anybody from anything." Well, it turns out what that was was a deposit of very unusual material. That that area of Utah, if you can imagine what the what the, the Garden of Eden looked like, flowering plants twenty to a hundred feet tall. Well, what happened was the the uh, down about 50 feet in that area, it's clay. And what happened was when the volcanoes went off, they covered everything with ash, not with lava, with ash, which crushed it down. And then over the 60 to 120 million years, sandstone built on top of it. But what happened, so, so what, what it is, is this deposit is secure because it has clay below it, so it's not going to leach out. Now, all the plants, what the plants do is they take inorganic minerals and via photosynthesis turn them into organic minerals. And there's over, when they tested these, the uh, extract from this deposit, there was well over 70 different minerals and rare, rare trace minerals that showed up. And I'll tell you something, some of these minerals, you look at that and you'll freak out. I mean, there's iron, there's lead, there's fluoride, there's all kinds of, of, of uh, minerals that if it was inorganic, it would be dangerous to you. But it's organic, so your body can actually metabolize and use it. Problem is, in the United States, as a, and most of the world, we've been here for a while, right? Humans have been around for a little bit. So we're uh, planting in the same places that we planted food in for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The minerals are being just sucked right out of the ground. So there's really not minerals left in the plants that you buy. So this is necessary. Let me tell you something. Without the, the proper blend and amount of minerals in your diet, here's some lists of things that happen. Rickets, arthritis, soft bones, migraines, hair loss, scabies, ear infection, mood, sp- mood swings, easy bruising. Uh, I mean, I can go on. Now, I'm not saying lack of minerals causes all of these. I'm saying lack of minerals in your diet can cause this kind of stuff. And it, it's even, it gets worse than that. 
this stuff gives you energy. It's almost like it's the spark plugs of the engine of your body. And I'll tell you to the truth, it tastes like dirt. My wife says I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wussy. But uh, what I do is I take an ounce a day and put it in orange juice. It's that simple. Boom. Done. We have rave stories from people who... A guy comes in and goes, yeah, I have, I, I'm, I'm lethargic. I have uh, this weird syndrome that I'm always tired. And I said, okay, here, just give it a shot. The quarts are only 15 bucks. But what we're doing is we're putting the gallons on sale. And this will be starting this coming week for 20% off. The gallons normally sell for 45 bucks, which is the cheapest in the United States for colloidal minerals. This is the authentic only true source of these minerals. We deal directly with the with the Clark family. This is his son that we deal with. So our products, our colloidal minerals are pure. They are not flavored. There's some companies out there that sell this weird flavored stuff. You have no clue what you're getting. This started it all. This started the colloidal mineral craze in the 40s and 50s. Now, colloidal, again, means uh, in liquid suspension. So we have colloidal minerals. We also sell colloidal iron, colloidal uh, gold, colloidal silver, things like that. But this, this is going on sale. If you go, now I don't have it on the website on sale yet. It will be after next week. You guys are hearing about this first. You go to se1.us on the left-hand side. You click on healthcare. That will take you to our big scrolling catalog, so to speak, to scroll down. And most of it, everything on there is alphabetical. So you scroll down to colloidal minerals, and you'll see colloidal minerals. And you click on the picture, and it'll take you to the website that explains everything and gives you all the data that you're going to need. So I just want to let you guys know that we're going to have colloidal minerals on sale for the rest of September, 20% off. Okay, that's out of the way. Now, I want you guys to know something. See, I give you little tidbits. My job is to help you be able to survive a little bit better and to exist a little bit better in your day-to-day lives. So those of you out there who are doing like me, I just put a new driveway in. The old one had been there 30 years, and it uh, if I hit it with a hammer, it would shatter into a thousand pieces. That's how bad it was. So we pulled it out, and we put a new driveway in, four-inch concrete, with rebar, and the guy that put it in, uh, very very well known company here in North Idaho, and I said, well, "What kind of guarantee do you have?" And he goes, "I guarantee it'll crack. <laughs> I guarantee it'll fall apart. But um, uh, if you take care of it, if you just ignore it and use it like this, in about ten years you'll start seeing wear on it." And I said, "Well, is there a secret to making this last longer?" He goes, "Oh yeah, seal it." I said, what do you mean seal? He goes, well, most people's driveways or concrete areas, they start shattering after the winter. And a lot of companies would lead you to believe it's because you're using magnesium chloride or other ice melt products on it. That's not true. That has nothing to do with it. What destroys the driveway, what destroys concrete, what destroys wood for that matter, is the fact that water soaks in to the concrete because it's porous and then it freezes overnight what happens to water that freezes it expands so you start noticing cracking and and shelling uh, on your your uh, driveway he said get some good sealant and seal it well there's a product 
and it's siloxane. That's the ingredient, okay? So you want siloxane. Now, the guy next door had his driveway put in, and uh, one Saturday morning, my eyes started watering, and I started sneezing and coughing and gagging, and I go outside, and this idiot is putting this, this chemical on his driveway. He's wearing a mask, and he's spreading it on his driveway, and it's, it's, a, haz- it's a hazardous material spill. It, if you read the instructions, it say, toxic to humans and animals. But this is my neighbor. He's very inconsiderate and doesn't give a damn about the effects he creates on others. Well, I said, I'm not going to use any of that crap to put on my driveway. And this guy goes, no, no, there's a company called RainGuard. And it's, it's advanced waterproofing. This is the same, same uh, chemical, but it's eco-friendly, so to speak. And it, you clean up with water. All you do is you, you clean your driveway. He said, do not use a pressure washer. If it's an older driveway, soap, hot soap and water and a scrub brush. Clean it and then hose it off. If it's a newer driveway like mine, all I do is just hose it off. And it just hose it right down and cleaned it up and, and then let it dry overnight. And then you use a garden sprayer. You know, that thing you pump up and you, you spray for bugs or weeds or whatever. Well, you fill it with this stuff and you coat the concrete. And you make sure it's coated well. I don't mean running off of it. I mean you coat it well. Like I, I did two, two uh, treatments. I can tell you this. The next day, I watered the front lawn, and it looked like water on wax paper. It doesn't change the concrete. It doesn't make it shiny. It doesn't make it slippery. It just soaks into the pores. So now water can't soak in, and this stuff is guaranteed for 10 years. Just a, a word to the wise. You guys have concrete. You want it to last longer. Just like anything else, any metal work you're going to do in life or any other woodwork, you want, the prep is the secret. So you prep your concrete. If it's older concrete, you wash it well. Make sure it, all of the soap and grease and oil and dirt is out and off of your driveway. And then you get this by RainGuard called Advanced Waterproofer. And I got a little fly here. I might put a link up on, the, on my show notes. And if you go to armchairsurvivalist.com on the left-hand side, you'll see the show notes. I put them up now and then they're going to be put up uh, I have them I haven't put them up yet for last week but they will be put up okay all right so let's get into the news the first category we have is the economy the uh, there's a problem with trucking and trucking trucking is one of the one of the signs that that economists use to determine what the future is going to be if you see all kinds of trucks, uh, you know, 18-wheelers out on a highway and, and hauling stuff from one place to another, then that means the economy looks like it's going to be doing good. And now, now, this is about two to three months in the future that you look at this. Well, what's happening, and there's many different reasons why this is happening, but what's happening is that trucking businesses are going out of business. The uh, One of the problems that we have is is people are going on the Internet. So they go on the internet and they look at Amazon and they say, I want to buy a bunch of boots. Okay. Oh, look, I can get Prime and free shipping. So they get free shipping. Well, these 18-wheelers aren't hauling this stuff from Amazon. UPS is. Post office is. It's not like the economy is slowing down in the area of purchasing. It's just that it's slowing down in how it's transported to your door. People are buying things on the internet and other companies are transporting this stuff. It's putting a lot of truckers out of business. It's, this is, this is uh, what's going to happen. I've been watching this now for years. 
And there's been, let's see, so far, as of last week, 4,500 trucking jobs were eliminated in the month of August alone. This is just in August. 4,500 trucking jobs. It doesn't mean they're all truckers, but the jobs. This is one of those things where I say, just word of warning to the wise, pay attention because this is one of the actual, actual indicators of what's happening in the economy. You like going to the hospital? No. Like my grandpa used to say, you got to be sick to go to the hospital. What he meant was the fact that, uh, and this is, we're talking 40, 50 years ago, what he meant was you go in the hospital, instead of spending at the time 25 bucks to go see a doctor, you're going to spend $200 to go in the emergency room. And the problem with hospitals, and in fact the problem with with all medical care in the United States, they charge, they just make up a price and charge it. Literally, they just make up a price and charge it. Do you know, I needed an MRI on my shoulder. So I could go to a place in Nevada and get the MRI for 650 bucks. Or I let my insurance pay for it here and it's $4,500. That's insane. But you're finding people all over the United States that are going, businesses going out of business, people losing their houses because they can't afford an emergency uh, procedure that they have to have done at a hospital. I had a problem. I had to go to the hospital and I went into the emergency ward. This cost me $1,000. I was there two hours. They didn't operate on me. They did a few procedures and, and some other poking around and talking to me. That ended up costing us a thousand bucks. I called the hospital up and said, "Yeah, there's no way in hell I'm paying you a thousand bucks for this. There's no way." And the, and the woman there was so she was so nice and whined so well that uh, I agreed to pay ten dollars a month. But this is it. The people are losing their whole livelihood. They're losing their their family. They're getting divorced because of the costs on, on this. A gallbladder operation. I have no idea what it costs now. I was supposed to look that up today. But years ago, and I say about 25 years ago, somebody needed a gallbladder. uh, Or let me rephrase that. The doctor said they needed to take their gallbladder out because they had gallstones. That is so stupid. That's like saying, you got a splinter in your foot. Let's remove your foot. Regardless, it would have cost $16,000 to have the gallbladder removed. $16,000. Well, we just didn't have that, so... Instead, we cured it, got rid of the gallstones. It's a procedure with olive oil and lemon juice and apple juice. And oh my God, it tastes awful. But this is what's happening in the United States is people are afraid to go to a hospital. So they're not getting care. And that's vital. That is very vital that you get medical care to keep yourself from becoming a liability to those around you. If you get sick, it's not just you that's going to suffer. It's everyone around you. You're going to have to have somebody take care of you while you're sick. And then you can't help out, be it just simple tasks at home or your job. So you have to take care of yourself. You have to make sure you stay fairly healthy to where you can can, uh, participate in life. And going to a hospital is going to rip you off massively, massively. Now, if you go to armchairsurvivalist.com on the left-hand side, and I already talked about show notes, right? So I'll have these all up next week. I promise. Big thing this week, uh, New York payroll company. Remember, I've warned you many times about everything that has to do with the cloud. Well, this is going to be a little little different warning, and it's going to be not just about the cloud, but but about you people who use direct deposits. There's a company in New York that many, many, many other companies were using, for payroll 
company closed its doors and vanished with over $35 million. My Payroll HR was a company that was uh, online, and many thousands of businesses used him. And what would happen was these businesses would send to Payroll HR the deposits that they were going to give to the employees. And Payroll HR would write out the checks and direct deposit it. It was no checks, actually. It was all numbers on a computer on the Internet. And that that money was deposited automatically into your direct deposit bank account. This is, you know, the old days, your boss would write you a check, you go to the bank, deposit it, or cash it. Nowadays, you wake up in the morning and your your pay your pay is already in, deposited in your bank account. Well, the problem with any, any any direct deposit account that you have, it is also a direct withdrawal account. If somebody has the ability to deposit into your account, they can, they also can withdraw from your account. You have to be really careful about that. This is a major warning. There are people all over the United States right now who have no income. Their income for the past week, two weeks, month has been wiped out. The FBI is investigating right now, but they're not sure what's going to happen because nobody knows who's actually got the finger on the trigger because it was all cloud-based. So here's my warning to you. If you have a direct deposit account, I don't care what it is. It's, it's If you work for a doctor, if you work construction, uh, Social Security, any kind of disability benefits, any kind of benefits, anything, any any direct deposit account in any way, shape, or form, have it as a separate account from your main account. So, like, I have a little, my Social Security account, but it's a standalone account. So, I don't use the money in there much. I leave it sitting in there, and every two or three months, I pull it out and put it in the main account. And those two accounts are not connected together. That way, if somebody accessed my direct deposit account, I would never, I wouldn't, I, you know, sure, I'll lose a few bucks, maybe 500 bucks max, but they can't get anything else out. So that's what I suggest everyone who has a direct deposit account does. They have a small account, a checking account, and it is where everything's directly deposited. And empty that account out as often as you need to. You don't want to leave more than two to $500 in there. Empty it out, put it in your main account. Be aware. This is what's happening, and this is getting worse and worse. This is another another one of the uh, unfortunate series of unfortunate events that's causing normal people to pull their hair out. And there's not a lot that we can do about it because it's in the cloud. All right, so let's see. What's the next category? Next category is health and food. So there's been more deaths from vaping. I hate to say that. Now, I'm sure you know what vaping is, so I don't need to go into that. But it's in California, Indiana, Minnesota. We just got information this morning that uh, just, just west of us in, in Washington, state of Washington, they got two more people. These are all millennials, teenagers, millennials. They're all between the age of 16 and 31, basically. Now, a couple of people have died who were over 50, but they had... Uh, other medical problems occurring at the same time. They're still not sure what's causing this vaping thing to to sicken people or to kill people. Well, the thing was, vaping was not checked out by the FDA. It was just said, sure, go ahead and use it. All the ingredients were possibly safe for human use. So they said, well, what the hell? We'll just go ahead and use it. And people are. People are generally fairly dumb. 
They don't do their own research. So they see something that tastes good, they're going to go buy it and suck it down. And not, you know how many people come into my store and they're allergic to a product? Say they're allergic to turmeric. And they don't even think to read the ingredient list on foods and packaged foods or, or medicines or even vitamins and minerals to see if turmeric's in it. They're just, it's like they're astounded when all of a sudden they break out in hives and they say, well, I must have eaten something with turmeric in it. Well, come on, damn it. You were taught how to read and write when you were a kid. Why don't you do so? Read. Learn what's in your stuff. Now, they did discover something. In the human body, you have white blood cells, all right? Everybody knows that. You have a type of white blood cells. It's called a macrophage. And what it does, it's like the Marines. It finds a particle, uh, like a, a pathogen, virus, fungus, bacteria, whatever, and it engulfs it and destroys it. Well, they're finding these microphages in the lung tissue of people who have been sickened by vaping. Okay, so that means there's something in the lungs that the human body has determined is toxic or poison and needs to be killed. Well, when they took these microphages out and they were looking in them, they found that they were encasing oil particles. They still don't know what where this is going to lead, but it can help to understand the cause of this disease. This is so this is new. This is popping up. Oh, I saw uh, there was an article where there were two brothers arrested. I think it was in Minnesota, I'm probably wrong. But they had a major operation of manufacturing vape liquid with THC in it in their own garage. So they got popped, got arrested. Uh, everything taken. This wasn't lightweight, though, by the way. Uh, they had almost 30 employees. Trump this week fired his uh, national security advisor. Well, there was a... And, they, and, he, and he hired his assistant. Now, his assistant... Now, we're ta- when I say he, I'm talking about Bolton. Bolton was fired this week, and Bolton's assistant was uh, hired in his place. Now, the guy's got over three decades of experience working with national security. Well, there was one group that didn't like that, and and it said, no, he has to go because he's he's a uh, he's a racist bigot, a homophobe, I mean Islamophobe. Guess what group? Guess what group? That <laughs> we're in we're in a category uh, Muslim. It is a uh, care, and these is these are a known Muslim hate organization that is allowed to operate within the United States. They're a terrorist organization as well. And they came out and said, this guy, we don't want him in there. We don't want him in there because uh, he doesn't like Muslims. I thought that, uh, I thought that was funny. It, it, it's the uh, Council on American Islamic Relations, or CARE, C-A-I-R. They called for the guy. His name is Charlie Cooperman, who Trump put in. And they said that uh, he needs to be resigned immediately. He's been working with the Center for Security Policy, CSP. CSP is an organization that does the research to discover who our enemies are in America. And, of course, the majority of our enemies are Muslim. And uh, CARE regards that group an anti-Muslim hate group. Burger King, by the way, has decided to bend over and, and allow the uh, Muslims to buy their burgers. Notice I didn't say ham burgers. I said burgers. Burger King is removing the word ham because the psychosis known as Islam thinks that ham is the most disgusting thing. Pigs are bad, they're evil, and they shouldn't exist. This has never stopped a Muslim from buying a hamburger at Burger King, I can tell you right now. But 
Burger King wants more Muslims to buy more hamburgers from them, so they took, they're taking off the word ham. So it's now going to be called burger. Come buy your burger from us. You know, trying to placate a psychosis, you'll never do so. People try and placate Islam and Muslims, you're never going to. It shows weakness, and it just it, it, it's almost like you're creating a vacuum, and their, their psychosis is going to fill the vacuum. It's like trying to placate Democrats. You can't. That's why you can never have a sane argument with one because you can't win in any way, shape, or form. So you don't say, well, okay, maybe if it'll shut you up, let's do some gun control, okay? That's insane on itself because then they're going to say, these weak guys, let's just get some more gun control out of them. So Burger King, tell me if you can see why. I mean, I'm sure one or two of you out there can figure out the answer to this. Stockholm, Sweden. The Swedish capital has a 20% increase of rapes in the past few years, and they can't figure it out. They can't figure out why there's over a 1,000 rapes a year in, in this past year in Sweden. And they can't figure out why it's been getting progressively worse for the past 10 years. And France came out with a, their murder rate and an attempted murder rate is up 79% in 10 years. And they can't figure that out either. They just don't understand. Now, there's this is the, the holy month for the psychosis called Islam. And they have a festival, it's called Ashura, where devout Muslims slice their heads open. I don't, I'm not saying it's like they slice their heads open so their brains are exposed, cause, but they hope oh, they cut open their heads to show a traditional show of faith. And the thing is, you see this psychosis. You see a father holding his, his son, his four, three-year-old, four-year-old, two-year-old, and slicing his scalp. You know, you guys would be both sickened and astounding at some of the things that I have to look at and that I see. And it's not just the men. It's the women do the same thing. They slice their head. And it's to show how faithful they are. You know, I got to tell you, there's, there's stuff that I could never show you. There's stuff I could never talk about. Because when I see it, I would start, I start crying. The depravity and the disgusting nature of a lot of the stuff that I look at. So again, like I said, the uh, psychosis called Islam, this is their holy month. And they go on a pilgrimage and they, they go to uh, different areas and they march around. And there's, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of them. And it, this happens every year. Dozens, if not hundreds of them, get killed and trampled. It's like, say there's 5,000 people walking in a circle and a gun goes off somewhere. They start running like crazy. They will stomp and kill women and children in their way. It happens every year. But it's expected from these very pious creatures. Let's see, 143 people killed. That's the religion of both peace and stupidity. Speaking of psychosis, let's not go into the liberal psychosis. Let's see, oh, the candidates, the the uh, communist candidates, the Democrats decided to get up on stage again and see who could out-socialist each other. So they had a Thursday, they had a three-hour debate. Boiled down, here's the statements that, that were the most important from each one of these candidates. Cory Booker, I'm the only person on this stage that find Justin Trudeau's hair very menacing. Joe Biden said to Bernie Sanders, for a socialist, you got a lot more confidence in corporate America than I do. Bernie Sanders. It goes without saying that we must and will defeat Trump, the most dangerous president in the history of this country. Kamala Harris. But the bottom line is this. Donald Trump in office 
on trade policy. You know, he reminds me of that guy in The Wizard of Oz, you know. When you pull back the curtain, it's a really small dude. Amy Klobuchar, what Trump has done here is assess these tariffs on our allies. He's put us in the middle of the trade war and treating our farmers and workers like poker chips in one of his bankrupt casinos. Pete Buttigieg. Well, the president clearly has no strategy. You know, when I first got into this race, I remember President Trump scoffed and said he'd like to see me make a deal with Xi Jinping. I'd like to see him make a deal with Xi Jinping. Uh, is it just me or was that supposed to happen in April? Julian Castro to, to Joe Biden. Barack Obama's vision was not to leave 10 million people uncovered. He wanted every single person in this country covered. My plan would do that. Your plan would not. Elizabeth Warren. I was in the United States Senate when 54 senators said, let's do background checks. Let's get rid of assault weapons. And with 54 senators that failed because of the filibuster. Until we attack the systemic problems, we can't get gun reform in this country. Now, what she means by systemic problems is called the Constitution of the United States. Beta O'Rourke. We're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. You know, I had a lesbian Democrat come in here with her girlfriend, nice people, and was telling me how you conservatives are crazy. You think we're at work, we want to take all your guns away. As I said, you can't argue with a psychosis. These people, they're insane. And we're seeing that. If you couldn't watch, believe me, you couldn't watch the three hours of this debate because it wasn't a debate. It was one communist trying to out-commie the next communist, seeing how much money we can pull out of corporate America or the top 2% are going to pay everybody in the country uh, a, a dividend or there's, I'll get to him. Beto, Beto has his idea. Beto O'Rourke. He's his fruitcake out of Texas. And it's already being done. What he's going to say is already being done. And you've heard me talk about this. You want gun control? Let's control what Americans can buy with a credit card. You get it? He wants to make it illegal to buy a firearm with a credit card. And believe me, Visa and MasterCard go right along with it. And it's not just guns. MasterCard has groups of people that scour Facebook for reasons to take your card away. This, this happens right now. That's why a lot of people are getting their cards canceled because it, they show up on Facebook where they have purchased a bunch of crap that they don't need. And the social justice warriors that are monitoring them say, well, these people don't know how to use the tool called credit card, so we're, we're going to cancel it. So they find out that you're overweight and that, and then all of a sudden you're eating out at a very fancy restaurant, they'll cancel your card right then and there. I can go on and on and I'm not going to on it. But the idea is, here's this communist who has come out and said, we're going to use the banking and financial institutions to control what you can and can't buy. The Democrats keep passing on and on. They keep passing these insane, well, they call them gun control laws, but they're all of them aimed at gaining complete control of this country. Take the weapons out of the hands of the civilians, and then we no longer have a constitution of the United States. We now have ruled by elitists or tyranny. Now, there was a magazine ban that was put in effect nine months ago. New Jersey. You remember that? They put it uh, in, in December of 2018. They passed a law to ban magazines that held more than 10 rounds and everybody was ordered to turn them in. Good. You can't, you can't uh, modify them. Just turn them in. You know how many was turned in? Zero. Nobody turned any of the magazines in. Now, this is a thing that's kind of got me confused and it's I don't understand what's going on with it, but it's uh, Jerry Nadler, a disgusting humanoid. Uh, we're not sure if he's real or 
or synthetic. But he says we're going forward with impeachment research and investigation on Trump. Pelosi, who's supposed to be leading her party in the House, says, no, we're not. No, no, we're not. And he keeps coming out on the news and saying, yes, we're going forward on impeachment. And we're doing we're doing as much investigation as possible and as is necessary right now. Why don't these idiots realize he's he's the president? We won. You lost. And the election's next year. So who gives a damn? All they're doing is trying to invalidate his presidency. And if there's enough sheeple out there that would have voted for him, they'll try and convince him, convince them all not to. That's that's it. Now, New Jersey, just like Beto O'Rourke, has decided there is ways to control the population using the financial institutions. So New Jersey came out and decided that they're going to refuse to do business with any banks or retailers that resist their ideas of gun control. So Democrat has a commie in there, Governor Phil Murphy, and he's going to sign an executive order this coming Tuesday that's going to uh, coerce any retailers, manufacturers, financial institutions to comply with his version of gun control. And if they don't, New Jersey's not going to do any business with them. Do you see a trend here? I see a trend. I see a trend with every Democrat that we're talking about every time trying to subvert the United States one way or another. Here's something. This When I saw this, I thought, oh, you know what? There's a website called, called The Onion. I think it's called The Onion. And it's a, it's a parodies. It's jokes, and they they it looks like an like a CNN or something, and they say say something really stupid, and a lot of people look at that and go, "Wow, that's really weird," and then you find out it's parody; it's not real. So I see this this thing here, and this is on thehill.com. California bans schools from suspending students solely for disruptive behavior. I mean, what? No, it's got to be a joke. So California signed a law, passed a law that if 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 a couple kids in a class beat the snot out of a teacher and they didn't get arrested for assault, well, the teacher can't uh, kick them out of school. Can't suspend them. So this, you know why, you know why they did this? Because of the, the dropout rate and the failure rate of high school graduates in California. And the literate, literacy rate of high school graduates in California. So if people are saying, oh, there's too many people leaving, leaving school, well, they're not leaving. They're getting their butts kicked out because they're thugs. They're thugs, they're criminals, they commit crimes, and they get caught. Now, in California, well, they're not going to kick them out. So your kid that wants to study is going to be forced to do so sitting next to or in the same class as a drug-dealing thug. about North Carolina? North Carolina seems to be another sanctuary state because they're turning off, uh, turning loose criminal aliens who have offenses. See, if, if somebody gets arrested, if a, if a criminal alien gets arrested and doesn't have paperwork, then the law enforcement agency is supposed to contact Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE. And ICE issues what's called a detainer. It means hang on to the guy, we'll be there to pick him up. They turn, North Carolina turned loose 489 illegal aliens. They turn them loose into North Carolina. These are people who have a criminal background, who have warrants out for their arrest. They get arrested, and instead of contacting ICE, North Carolina is releasing them. And, you know, it really doesn't matter if you're in jail because, well, in Ohio, there was a criminal alien that was running a drug ring from jail. 
on his cell phone. He had a smuggled cell phone in there. You, you know, you. I'm sorry. A prisoner in a jail, if he has a cell phone, then somebody's going to know about it. But this guy's running a. This guy was running a drug ring from an Ohio jail, inside of an Ohio jail. Research came out last week about uh, teens. This is from MIT. So from the age of 11 to 20, basically, they studied or they studied about 6,600 American kids, and these kids talked about uh, what they did on social media, and they were talking about basically what they discovered. What the researchers discovered is that three hours is a standard time that teens spend on social media and that's not just Facebook there's all you get out, you get them with their cell phone and they're on it for three hours they're, they're talk chatting to people they're reading Facebook posts they're, they're doing this all of this stuff that's three hours they start becoming depressed and anxious every week we have at least a dozen teenagers come in here saying I have anxiety I have anxiety and then older people 21, 25 I have depression my first thought is get off your cell phone. Uncork yourself from your computer and your cell phone and start paying attention to life around you. Life is a participation sport. It's not something you can read about and then dream about. It's something you have to do. There, and I, you know, I, this, I'm telling you, this is, and, I, and I'm going to tell you again, this is really disgusting. When I'm in this area, liberal psychosis, Half of the articles that I find and drag up are not something that you would ever post and let other people read. They're not. They're they're so disgusting that you would start crying about it and you'd never listen to me again. This one I'm going to tell you is one of the um, one of the softest ones that I have. There's other ones that are so disgusting and evil. And all being promoted by Democrats. All of them. Illinois Hospital created a comfort room for aborted babies to die in. So when an aborted woman comes in and gets an abortion, if the baby doesn't die right then, well, they wrap it in a blanket and they take it into this calming, dark room for it to die. I, I'm flabbergasted. And the thing that almost puts me into a, 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 a bag of grief is that there are actually people out there that will justify that and participate willingly. Okay, so a, uh, <laughs> a whole ship of... It was, it was an uh, expedition to the Arctic to raise awareness of global warming. They got stuck in the ice. They had to turn back. M.S. Malmo, with 16 passengers, got stuck in the ice September 3rd. And they were going there to, to film climate change and how bad it is, is getting and, and just, you know, that kind of stuff. So they got the global warming guys got stuck in the ice. All right, now we're in the category of Trump. I know you guys don't know this because mainstream media will never report this, but this week... Trump confirmed his 150th judicial nominee. 150. The Senate confirmed a total of judicial nominees that Trump put in. Now, of course, you're not going to hear about it. 
it's just something you just not don't expect to hear about it because it would mean Trump is actually uh, achieving some of his goals. Another goal that was achieved this week, the Supreme Court decided to agree with Trump that people who came here, these uh, illegal immigrants, okay, or criminal aliens, or whatever word you want to use for them, they leave their country way down in South America, and they cross two or three other countries, then they go all through Mexico, then they come up in the United States, and then they claim asylum. Asylum means basically you're trying to get away from an area that's dangerous to you. Why would you go through two or three other countries to get to a third country? So what he, and it's, and it's now been passed into law, they have to apply for asylum the first country they come to. And then if that country says no, then they can uh, either reapp- uh, reapply in the United States or apply in the United States. But basically what it's doing is cracking down on all these criminals that are coming up here and just coming straight up here, being bust up here by the Democrats, let loose at the border and walk up and say, I'm claiming asylum. So that's, uh, that's being changed right now. At Trump came out, oh, a week or so ago, and he was saying on his Twitter feed, of course, that Baltimore has more murders per capita than Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. You know, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, those are the countries where all of these asylum seekers are coming from, and they claim because there's more murders there. And Trump said, no, there's more murders in Baltimore. And, of course, all the Democrats and the liberals went crazy over that until the news came out that, you know what, he's right. There are more murders in Baltimore per capita than there are in South America. <laughs> all right. Now we're going to go into government threat. Now this, when I say government threat, the category government threat, it's not just the U.S. government. It's all governments. It's all things that, that uh, support the government, that perform for the government. Those are the things also that I'm concerned about. There were, now I, I don't know if you know about what these things are called. They're called Stingray. And what they are is a cell tower that actually captures cell phone communications and then transfer them to the normal cell tower. So this is kind of like a, a, um, a bug, right? You pick up your phone, you dial Fred. Well, you're not going directly to your cell tower. You're going through this this item called a stingray. And then you go to a cell tower, and then you'll get connected to Fred. Now, what they're doing is they're copying everything you say. They're recording everything. So there was a bunch of these mysterious stingray devices found near the White House. And, of course, the Democrats came out and said, it's Israel. Israel's doing that. Granted, there are more Israeli spies in the United States than there are Russian spies. And Israel is not a friend of the United States. Israel is under the assumption that they control and run the United States. Well, between you and me, I think all of these devices were simply set up by the Democrat National Committee. And I think Trump knows this, and so do his, uh, his people know this. There are, this is, uh, let's see, what is this? This is from RollCall.com. More and more states are allowing gun seizures. 
uh, they don't even have these what's called red flag laws yet. They just have these. You say something stupid on Facebook, and the police are going to come to your house and and they're going to take all your firearms. Don't think that this is not happening, and don't think this can't happen to you. The funny thing is, now here's the thing: when I grew up, I knew I wasn't invincible. I knew I could get my butt kicked. I knew all kinds of things bad could happen to me. So I was very careful when I, who I opened my mouth to. If I didn't think that I had some backing, I wouldn't I wouldn't get in trouble like I used to. <laughs> but nowadays, they don't care. You'll find a 4 foot 10 fat female come up to me and start screaming in my face, daring me, daring me to do anything about it. Now, that's never happened, but I'm saying I've seen it on, on YouTube and uh, uh, other people. And other people are just way too civilized for me. But anyway, this is what they do. They, they feel there's no repercussions for anything they say. So they say the stupidest things. You know, if you and I go out for beer, we're going to say things to each other different than we should post on YouTube. That's how it works. But so many people, they don't have a filter. They just open their mouth and start talking and saying stupid things. So what's happening is these states now, all over the United States, are starting to just, you know what, we're going to take your guns. And this is not new. Don't get, don't get me wrong and don't think it is. Uh, this, this was happening in California in 95. I know this for a fact. You don't have to have. You don't have to be charged with a crime. You don't have to be adjudicated uh, uh, guilty. You don't have to be uh, in jail or having gone in jail. You don't have to have anything like that. You just say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, and you're reported. You're going to lose your firearms. And the way it works in the United States is you're guilty until proven broke. So if you you know, you, you can't, uh, good luck fighting City Hall, getting your guns back. You can do it. I did it some years back. But it takes time and it takes money. Just watch what you're saying. You know, people are just saying whatever the hell they want to whoever the hell they want, whenever the hell they want. And they think they're going to get away with it. Problem is, well, you, you know what the social credit score is. They're doing That's happening right now in China. And I talked about this, and people in China, they every single one of them, almost, not everyone, but almost, almost what, 90, I think it said 93% of the Chinese, if they're on the internet for any reason, they have a Facebook page, they do you know, things like that. So they're being judged by how, how they qualify to uh, receive government benefits. And according to the communist Chinese government, transportation is a benefit. Flying is a benefit. And that credit score is coming to the United States. And I have a clip from Paul Joseph Watson. He's talking about the credit score. It's just a little little clip. But you need to listen to it so you can understand what I'm talking about. So you know how over the last 10 years we were bombarded with scandal after scandal of big tech corporations spying on us and selling our data? Remember how nobody really gave a damn? Remember how we continued to clamor for the latest iPhone, the latest smart home assistant, desperately rushing to fill the void of meaninglessness via the voracious consumption of products, completely blasé about the fact that we were literally complicit in creating the kind of surveillance dystopia that would make George Orwell scoff in 
disbelief, well, it might be time to start giving a damn. All that information you've been gleefully handing over to the guy who once literally described you as a dumb f- for doing so will now be used against you. The same social credit score system that has already restricted millions of Chinese citizens from buying plane tickets, train tickets, purchasing property, sending their children to private schools is coming soon to the good old US of A. In many ways, it's already here, thanks to our progressive overlords in Silicon Valley. Patron Scan runs your ID through a database when you enter a bar. If the system decides you've been a naughty boy or girl, you're not getting in the bar. Insurance companies in New York are now basing premiums on social media posts. That Instagram selfie of you eating a bucket of cheese fries might end up costing you big time. Major fundraising sites are kicking off creators for their wrong thing. Uber has banned conservatives for their offensive tweets. Airbnb has refused service to people for their online activity. Conservatives are being banned from entering entire countries countries because of their views. PayPal, which is taking over numerous credit card processing companies, bans people for their political opinions. They just banned Trump supporter and Floridian Jacob Engels right as Hurricane Dorian made landfall. Major banks are terminating customer accounts because of their political opinions. Imagine going to buy groceries and your card gets declined because some chicken neck in Silicon Valley didn't like what you posted on Twitter about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. In China, citizens with low social credit scores are restricted from using dating websites. Now, Facebook, as if it wasn't already a frighteningly gargantuan monopoly, just launched its own dating service. Turning over private, intimate relationship information to a faceless, amoral corporation that spies on you, sells your data, and can arbitrarily ban you for expressing the wrong opinion. Merely appearing in a photo with someone Mark Zuckerberg doesn't like is enough to get you banned by Facebook. That's Chinese communist-style social credit score 101. Even if you just affiliate with a designated thought criminal, you get punished too. And now the Trump administration is considering a social credit score type program to restrict people from buying guns. They're talking about using Fitbits, Amazon Alexa and Google Home to monitor signs of, quote, neuropsychiatric violence. In other words, if Alexa which totally isn't listening to and recording all your conversations, picks up some edgy chatter, no Second Amendment for you. So while his supporters are being banned by big tech, left, right and centre, the Trump administration is considering partnering with big tech to spy on Americans via their smart devices to deprive them of their basic rights. And it's not like any of this is a revelation. Five years ago, under a project codenamed Weeping Angel, the CIA was already hacking into your smart TVs and recording your words. Seven years ago, it was revealed that Samsung smart TVs were recording people's conversations. Last year, a New Hampshire judge ordered Amazon to turn over two days of recordings from an in-home Alexa device. But they're totally not listening to all your conversations. Amazon already has the patent to use Alexa to detect, quote, an excited emotional state or a sad emotional state in your voice, then prescribe you medications based on that. I warned that all this was coming 13 years ago, and they called me a conspiracy theorist. Dissidents will be stripped of basic life amenities, deprived of the right to commerce, imprisoned in a vast digital gulag, dehumanised, 
rendered destitute. Brave protesters in Hong Kong are literally ripping down surveillance cameras to express their opposition to all this. What are we doing? Wetting our pants in anticipation of the new iPhone because it has a slightly better camera and more battery life. At least in China there's still some semblance of a legal system that citizens can turn to as a redress for their grievances. In America, all this will be controlled by monolithic, unaccountable corporations who have blanket immunity. So when conservatives are left with no access to the digital public square, no right to travel, no right to own firearms, no right to bank accounts, no right to buy and sell, all because we suggested that there might not be more than two genders. Yeah, I like I like the way he uses words. It's it's um, enlightening. You know, Google has been listening. You know, all of the equipment that you you've been buying uh, and uh, using. What do you call it? You know, all of the little things, uh, the speakers and and Siri and all of these things that you say, hey, play blankety blank for me, and it plays it. Well, they've been listening to you, and they've been recording everything. We know that the the information has come out from the government and from Google, and not just Google, but Amazon, everyone. All of these so-called tech giants, every single one of them, the same thing. They've been recording all the sounds that have been coming through them. Well, now there's a new gizmo out from Google. It's called the Nest Hub. You go on TV, they're advertising it. It's a little, it looks like a tablet on a stand. And it has a camera on it and microphones. So you can just walk by and it's just like in science fiction stories and movies and say, hey, uh, Hub, call Fred. And it dials Fred. And if Fred has one of these things, you'll see him and you can talk to him. The thing is, it's recording at all times, visually and audibly. So it's listening to you. If you have it in the bedroom, here's everything you do in the bedroom. And it records everything you do in the bedroom. I'm always astounded when I hear people say, I have nothing to hide. Except we all know that now, with the ability for CGI scripting on the internet and other other uh, avenues, shall we say, I can listen to you for a few days... I can download all of the sounds that your voice makes and I can make it, uh, I can create somebody on the internet who's talking and sounds exactly like you saying that they're going to bomb the Russian embassy in New York City tomorrow and you'd get arrested. So Google is now going to be not just listening but visually recording everything that you do. The best way not to have your head bit off by a lion by a lion is to don't put it in a lion's mouth now the news came out last week that some of the trump administration was pushing to use um, google and other you know amazon and other high tech companies to determine social scores of who can own a firearm in other words what they're looking at is creating an organization, and I, I was reading this, and it's, it's uh, and I read this for the past few weeks, and now it's getting nailed down to where this information is coming from. A guy named Bob Wright. He was a former NBC chairman. NBC. This is an organization that hates all things conservative. It hates America, and definitely hates Trump. Well, this guy has been talking to a few people in the Trump administration 
They want to create an agency called Health Advanced Research Projects Agency, or HARPA, to design inventive ways to use data for preventing violent incidents. Pre-crime, in other words. This is... uh, this is this is all bad. This everything is everything that's that's coming up with these red flag laws and this kind of pre-crime stuff where they listen and see and watch you to determine whether or not you're crazy and they should come and get your guns. The things that I'm saying might sound humorous to you. But they won't be in 6 months to a year when this stuff starts happening. And the people that are pushing it are liberals. And remember I said I warned you about the ring. Uh, you can buy this at, at uh, Costco sells them. It's a it's a doorbell. You know, it's it's a little bit bigger than a pack of cigarettes, and you adhere it to your front door, and it can see everything that's happening outside your front door, and it can hear everything that's happening around you. It can hear inside the house. It can hear everywhere. And the police in England have teamed up with Amazon to hand out thousands of these free camera doorbells. Here, this is free. We just ask that you allow us access to the feed. See, in America, they, they, don't, they don't have to bribe you with one of these rings. In America, people are stupid enough to do it without being bribed. You have anything like this. You have it's something called the Internet of Things. This is where things are hooked to the Internet. Now, you have a, a, a modem, you have a router inside your house if you have Internet. And this router connects your smart TV, your wireless laptop, your cell phones. If you have a stove that has internet on it, it connects that too. If you have a refrigerator, it connects that. If you have a ring doorbell, it connects that. If you have a garage door opener that is hooked to the router that you can open with your cell phone, it's 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 hooked to that. Everything that you can do on your cell phone is hooked to the router. Everything. And law enforcement has access to those routers if you use some of the equipment, like I said, like the ring. This is not going to get any better. This is getting worse and worse and worse. It's up to us and you to use some common sense and to think ahead and realize this stuff is happening and you've got to be aware of it so it doesn't happen to you. Now, I'm not quite sure exactly how to explain this to you, but... There's something that's we've all been noticing that's been occurring. The whole concept of decorum and demeanor is being eradicated worldwide. So let me explain to you what decorum and demeanor is. Decorum is basically it's uh, decency. It's it's how one acts. Uh, it's the method and mode and the way that we interact uh, with with other people, with animals, with the physical universe. Synonyms would be decency, form, propriety. Propriety is the state of being proper or suitable. Appropriateness. You, you get the idea on that? So the problem that we have is that decorum and demeanor has been literally reclassified, uh, renamed. I don't know what words to use because this is so. This is really not something that I thought I'd ever see some uh, in my lifetime. Demeanor is behavior towards others. Your outward manner. Oh, it could be bearing, deportment, uh, uh, carriage, 
It's uh, it's basically it's your personality that you show others. As you've seen, as you can see, everywhere around you, and even in your family, is that this lack of decorum and demeanor or courtesy or respect, it's been trained out of the public. We're talking generations and generations from the 70s. And it was slowly, slowly getting worse and worse and worse. And who's training it out? These are all Democrats and complicit Republicans. And I don't want to say liberals and conservatives, but you could. They're just groups of people who don't care because it benefits them. They have their own perversions and uh, these types of, of actions or lack of respect promotes their perversions. So we're looking at Democrats, liberals, socialists, communists, psychologists, psychiatrists, public schools, U.S. colleges, the media, print, internet, TV, radio, American Medical Association, AMA, American Psychiatric Association, the APA, Hollywood, of course. We've lost all the generations since the 70s to this. And each generation is getting a bit worse and worse because they have their their uh, worthless parents teaching them how to be worthless. Now, this is a generality. This is not like everybody screwed up. This is basically a high percentage. And this high percentage, unfortunately, are the ones that have been committing murders and rapes and robberies. It used to be fairly standard in the United States that there was a specific percentage of the population that were, pro- that were troublemakers. And now that percentage is increasing and increasing and increasing, which is what the powers that be want, because what, what do they do? The Congress, the Senate, the politicians, they pass laws. And what are these laws for? These laws are to, quote-unquote, protect us from the bad guys. So they find one bad guy, and they'll pass a law that affects 300 million people. So they want more bad people out here. And unfortunately, it's ended up, the epitome of this has ended up with the morbidly obese, pink-haired, lesbian, communist, social justice warriors that we see all on the news. Or blue-haired. But these are creatures who have no concept in any way, shape, or form of decorum or demeanor. Their demeanor is that of a rabid dog that just wants its food right now. I have, a, I have a recording from Paul Joseph uh, Watson, and I'm going to have a link to his website so you guys can go to it and you can listen to other things because I use clips of his now and then. And I, I, uh, I do think that he is, he's worth supporting if you feel that way, if you can. So I want to play what he says about degeneracy. Welcome to the age of degeneracy. The number of people dying from drug overdoses in the United States is at its highest level ever. Deaths from alcohol abuse have almost doubled since 1999. Given that America seems to be collectively more inebriated than Hunter S. Thompson on the last day of Woodstock, you'd think conservatives would be more vehement in promoting social conservatism. Instead, they appear to be doing the exact opposite. The mainstream conservative movement appears to be awkwardly crowbarring hedonistic moral relativism into its core message 
in a desperate attempt to appeal to younger voters, completely jettisoning social conservatism in the process. At this point, what are you even conserving? Hello, my fellow conservative people. Now, let me explain how being a liberal makes you a conservative. Your kids are being re-educated by predatory drag queens about non-binary genders, snorting ketamine and twerking. Abortion has gone from being a shameful last resort to a celebrated sacred virtue, and family units bonded by faith have been replaced with atomized, drug-addled, broken home. When my daughter gets jailed for dealing drugs to pansexual college kids at a gay pride parade because she couldn't afford her third abortion, at least I'll still have my rugged individualism. I mean, why not capitulate on every last single social moray, given that you've thrown the towel in on virtually everything else? American conservatives would personally dress up in drag and read books to children if they thought it would raise the GDP. Why, yes, I'm pro-choice. Why, yes, I support LGBT. Why, yes, I do smoke weed. Why, yes, I am an atheist. That's right. I'm a conservative! If you are all those things, then fine. But you're about as conservative as Myra Hindley is kind to children. If you only knew how bad things really are. If you only knew how many Christian conservatives engage in the kind of lurid behaviour that would put any hedonistic leftist to shame. If you only knew how many of them posture as role models for young men while living the very lifestyles that wreck young men's lives. I'm trying not to sound too preachy. But if you gonna grandstand all day about embodying the antidote to amoral impetuous libertinism about being a fine upstanding conservative then start living like one now i'm not saying you can't go out from time to time and have a laugh and a drink with your mates believe me i'm no mother teresa i've bathed in the worldly waters of the profane but when public intoxication and gratuitous debasement becomes the defining characteristic of western masculinity Something's gone horribly wrong. Most guys think it's manly to pound beers all weekend, but then they can't run more than a couple of miles or hammer out 25 push-ups. The promotion of binge drinking as manly is a marketing ploy to trick young men into forking over their hard-earned cash to a giant corporation. Beer literally converts testosterone to estrogen in your body, so why is its overconsumption being promoted? as a masculine trait. Degeneracy is a broad topic, but at its core you'll find alcoholism. And nobody does alcoholism quite like the British. Brits have the worst drinking problem in Europe. Over a million of them are drinking at levels that will knock two to three decades off their lives. Researchers describe this group as the most severely affected population of alcohol users chronically intoxicated to the extent that their organs are being poisoned and their perception is impaired on a daily basis. Unlike virtually every other country in the world, Britain is unique for having women who consume as much alcohol as men. If the English disease used to be football hooliganism, it's now been replaced by hooliganism of a different kind. A putrid, visceral onslaught against everything that's pure and decent. Why do you think giant transnational corporations and the elitists who run them constantly promote binge drinking, lottery tickets and gambling? To make vast amounts of money, yeah, but it's also to ensure that the underclass remains mired in its own self-indulgent, self-destructive deterioration. It's kinda hard to be upwardly mobile when most of your time is divided between pissing away your disposable income in the betting shop, being completely paralytic and waking up in a pool of your own vomit. And despite there being no widespread binge drinking culture in America, 
When you extrapolate out Americans' drinking habits, about half of American women would be considered alcoholic, and about 70% of men would be borderline or alcoholic. So-called deaths of despair, deaths from suicide, drug and alcohol abuse, kill more Americans than those who died during the Vietnam War or at the height of the crack epidemic. Deaths from despair have doubled from 22.7 deaths of despair per 100,000 Americans in the year 2000 to 45.8 per 100,000 in 2017, easily eclipsing all prior 20th century highs. The US suicide rate in 2017 was 33% higher than just 20 years ago. Opioid deaths claim 130 lives every single day. What's driving the despair? Increased availability and addictiveness of drugs caused by lax drug laws, something this new breed of hedonistic conservatives seem to support, collapsing birth rates and declining marriage rates, something this new breed of hedonistic conservatives seem to support, increasing secularization, something this new breed of hedonistic conservatives seem to support, and social media, which when it comes to giving them carte blanche to do whatever they want, my private company, is something this new breed of hedonistic conservatives seem to support. What fantastic advice does that legacy bastion of conservatism, the National Review, have for its readership? Many of whom are at huge risk of becoming another death of despair statistic. Lift weights? Go to church? Have babies? No. Watch more television! Obey. Consume. Conform. Another factor that drives despair amongst working class whites and leads them to alcoholism is stagnant paychecks and diminishing economic opportunities, which is why they voted for Trump. Strange then that the Trump administration continues to import more than one million legal immigrants every single year, something that exacerbates that problem. But to maintain their own hedonistic lifestyle of decadence, the elite needs a steady supply of mass immigration. Servant class jobs which exist largely to cater for the needs of the elite are booming in America, massively outstripping overall job growth. This sector grew 114% between 2008 and 2018, while overall US jobs grew just 7% in that same period. The ultra-wealthy needs to keep importing their wage slaves to massage and pedicure them, because you've got to look good for that date with a $2,000 escort girl or that exclusive trip to Orgy Island, and for young people the picture is even less rosy. Amongst millennials there's been a 47% increase in major depression since 2013. From 2007 to 2017, adults aged 18 to 34 saw a 69% increase in alcohol-related deaths, a 108% increase in drug-related deaths, largely fueled by the opioid crisis, and a 35% increase in death by suicide. But can you really blame them for rushing to the refuge of an inebriated stupor? given the example that older generations have set. It is not the young people that degenerate. They are not spoiled till those of mature age are already sunk into corruption. Crippling student loan debt, unaffordable housing, and the disintegration of entire communities, familial or religious, with whom they could share their burdens. All those factors can be blamed on boomers, many of whom are now too busy being off their faces on fentanyl. And another reason why we appear to be more susceptible to degeneracy than ever is that we have too much time on our hands. Bare time will only increase with automation. Will universal basic income and a 15-hour work week really bring us happiness? Or merely more opportunities to wallow in the existential dread of our own meaningless vacuity? There is a possibility, a hope, that we will work less 
Yet many new stupid forms of amusement might fill our free time. I still believe in work and creativity. If we do not have enough things to do, even if we will feel happy just sitting, watching films and drinking, it will be a very stupid existence. It will soon get dire. But Paul, my freedom! The freedom to be a soulless husk of a human, slaving away at a corporate job to make ends meet so that you have enough money to blow on stimulants. Some freedom. Would you give up an endless cycle of nihilistic barren distractions for authentic life-sustaining happiness? Apparently not. But hey, if the situation was hopeless, their propaganda would be unnecessary. So in summary, everyone's atomized, disenfranchised, depressed and lonely, mainly because of modern technology, the loss of faith, and the complete failure of hypercapitalism to enrich their lives with any purpose or meaning, and to cope with that, they're all on drugs, becoming alcoholics, and killing themselves, or a combination of all three. Or they're turning to increasingly more degenerate sexual fetishes and alternative lifestyles, and many conservatives are so petrified about losing appeal or appearing uncool that they've abandoned all their conservative principles and won't say a word against it. My job is to help you be able to survive a little bit better in your day-to-day life so that in case of an emergency situation, you already have the right mindset to not only survive but be willing to survive and to help others survive. And to that end, many of you listen to me for years and you know that I have a little booklet that I read from called The Way to Happiness, Common Sense Guide to Better Living. And it is uh, written by L. Ron Hubbard. It has nothing to do with religion in any way, shape, or form. It has to do with common sense, and it has to do with your survival. I'm going to, each show, read one of the ideas from it. Now, you have these, you have precepts. What's a precept? Well, in fact, there's 21 precepts in here. What a precept is, it's a principle or rule that is used to control, influence, guide, or regulate conduct. This is part of what you're taught if you're taught decorum, which hasn't been taught in 50 years. But there are 21 precepts, so each week I'm going to read one of them and talk about it just a little bit. And if you were to follow it, now here's the key. This is not just you following it. This is you demanding those around you follow these precepts because they will allow you to survive better. You can't survive. You know, I lived in a commune when I was when I was a hippie and it, there was like 30 people living in it. Half of them were druggies and criminals. And the place got busted one time and the police arrested everyone. And I said, "Look, I've I don't do anything illegal." He goes, "Yes, but you're hanging around people who do. Therefore, we already have you predisposed as a possible criminal." So you don't, you know, you learn the people around you. You 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 tell them how to act in a, in a sane manner so that your survival is guaranteed. And you have that right. If you see something wrong, you have the right to correct it. Not just the responsibility, but the right. So we're going to talk about different precepts each time. And the, the, the first one is going to be very simple. Take care of yourself. And it's broken up into five little segments. Now, this might sound like, oh, duh. But I'm going to tell you what. I, in my store, I see examples of violations of these every single day. Take care of yourself. Number one, get care when you're ill. Okay, 
I, you know, it's, I'm not everybody's daddy or, or my wife isn't everybody's mommy, but people come into the store and say, well, I've had this headache now for about two weeks and I want something to, uh, to get rid of it. My first thought is, why do you have the headache? And I always ask them. I always want to know why you have a problem. And they all say, well, I don't know. So have you gone to a doctor? No. All right, you need to go to a doctor. You need to go to a doctor and get a proper diagnosis. It could be anything. It could be anything from digestion problems to a tumor in your brain. So you need to go and find out what's wrong with you. It's great that you want to come in here and give me your money, but that's not my job. My job is to help you. So you need to get to a doctor or somebody who can diagnose what your problem is. When you're ill, even with communicable diseases, people often do not isolate themselves or seek proper treatment. This, as you can easily see, tends to put you at risk. Insist when someone is ill that he or she takes the proper precautions and gets proper care. Let's say you own a company and you've got a guy working for you. And you notice he's, he's on, a, on a line doing something and you notice his nose is running and he's coughing and sneezing. And he has a look on his face like he's not real happy. And you ask him, what's wrong with you? I've got this uh, cold or something or other, and, and it's just kicking my butt, and I don't know what to do about it. So I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just, I need the money, so I'm going to keep working. You have the right to say no. You're going to the doctor right now, and you're going to find out what's wrong with you. Because let's say, the, okay, the guy is instrumental in your business. He's important in your business. But if he gets to the point where he's, he gets so sick he can't function, he's going to be out for two to three weeks. So if you, when you have a problem... If you feel a pain, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> if you feel a pain in any part of your body, that's your body saying, "Hey, dude, something's broke. Go get it handled. Go find out what it is." Because that might just say, you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, "Oh yeah, yeah, you, you've got a, a, a bacterial infection in your sinus cavity. Here, take these pills. Take this antibiotic, or go to Kurt's store and get some colloidal silver, some oregano oil." whatever you need to get to kill this bug. And then maybe you're out one day. So think of the liability that you can create by not taking care of yourself. You deserve the right to feel as good as you can, but everyone around you deserves the right to have you a fully functional participant in their lives. Part two, keep your body clean. People who don't, do not bathe or wash their hands regularly can carry germs. I saw a sign in a hospital that said, uh, love is in the air, so is the flu, wash your hands. They put you at risk. You are well within your rights to insist that people bathe regularly and wash their hands. It is inevitable that one gets dirty working or exercising. Get them to clean up afterwards. That's the thing. If you can smell something on somebody, if somebody smells like... like uh, uh, dirt, or if they smell like sweat, well, that's because they have it on them. And humans are organic, so bacteria starts to grow on them, and that's what you're smelling most of the time. And I've met people who stink, no ifs, ands, or buts, and they claim, "Well, I, I don't believe in underarm deodorant, and I, I only take a bath once a week." And and uh, just w weird uh, concepts and ideas. That's all well and good. You you have the right to have any concepts and ideas that you have as long as they don't affect others in a detrimental manner. And washing your hands, 75% of the, of the communicable diseases that people come up with other than, than sexually transmitted ones are passed because people aren't washing their hands properly. That sounds like an understatement. I'm going to tell you this. Every single 
and I stress every single uh, recall on vegetables or fruits or beef or anything like that is because somebody passed a organism, a pathogen into the product via their hands or via lack of hygiene. This is real. This is not a, I don't believe in washing my hands crap. This is like, I don't care if you believe or not, get your butt over there and wash your hands. You're going to be dealing in my universe. You're going to be affecting me. Then I require you to not affect me in a dangerous manner. Number three, preserve your teeth. If one brushed one's teeth after each meal, it's been said that one would not suffer tooth decay. This or chewing gum after each meal goes far towards defending others from oral diseases and bad breath. Suggest to others that they preserve their teeth. Duh. And it's not just, you know, brushing your teeth that's going to preserve your teeth. You have to not use fluoride. There's a whole school of information on the internet that can explain to you why you don't use fluoride. So go, go learn it. But yes, you need to brush your teeth. And not just your teeth. You need to brush your gums, your tongue, the roof of your mouth. The cheeks, everything inside your mouth, you brush with a toothbrush. And you clean your mouth as well as you can. If nothing else, now there are genetic problems and deficiencies in bone structures that can cause uh, rotting teeth. But most cavities are bacterial deposits. So clean your teeth. Clean your mouth. Uh, Gumming gums fine. I use a toothpick personally. I have a little uh, Swiss Army knife that has a toothpick built into it, and I've been using that for 40 years now. And I brush my teeth. Of course, I use my toothbrush, toothpaste that we have here, uh, Uncle Harry's. It is all organic. It has colloidal minerals, colloidal silver, oregano oil. It has all kinds of stuff in it. As a matter of fact, I go, I go about every three to five years to the dentist to have him clean my teeth. The last time I went, the hygienist leaned me back in a chair, and she gets his bright light, and she's looking in my mouth, and she's... She's poking around my mouth and poking around, and she goes, excuse me. And she goes out and gets the dentist. The dentist comes back in, and and he looks in my mouth, and he looks around, and he says, give me number five pick, please. She gives him a tool, and he just goes, tink, 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 tink. He goes, okay, that's it. Polish him up. That was it. Because I took that care of my mouth. So all they did was polish my teeth, which they use Uncle Harry toothpaste as a polishing compound, and my teeth were like... They were like clean, like as a whistle. You have in your mouth, under your tongue, what's called the sublingual glands. These absorb everything directly into your blood system. That's why our oregano oil and uh, our CBD oil, we have you administer directly under your tongue so that it goes directly into your bloodstream and you don't have to worry about uh, digestive problems. So if you have bacteria growing inside your mouth, you're absorbing this bacteria directly into your bloodstream. This is a big thing. People who have strokes, about 80% of them have a stroke or cardiovascular problem like that due to something gets in and it goes and causes a problem. And again, the research is out there on the internet if you wanted to uh, make use of it. Number four, eat properly. What do I tell people that come in here? They say, well, i got these problems. I say, well, it's very simple. Stop eating crap. Stop drinking crap. Stop smoking crap. It's that simple. Stop putting crap in your system. You know what's good for you to eat. You know what's bad. You know these things. Some things can slip in accidentally, but you know you can't live on fast food. 
You cannot do that. It will kill you. People who do not eat properly are not of much help to you or themselves. They tend to have a low energy level. They're sometimes ill-tempered. They become ill more easily. It doesn't require strange diets to eat properly, but it does require that one gets nourishing food regularly. This is important. Yes, sometimes you get in a groove and you want to work and, and uh, you're in the middle of a production cycle and you just don't have time to eat, but you're going to peter out, both physically and mentally. And the mentally is a big thing, especially if you're at work. And if you're at work, you owe the person who hired you to be in the best shape that you can be so that you can create the best product that you can. Number five, get rest. Now, we talked about this. When you sleep is when your brain basically relaxes and it's able to flush out all the toxins that's built up during the day. Although many times in life one has to work beyond normal sleep periods, a person's general failure to get proper rest can make him or her a burden to others. Tired people are not alert. They can make mistakes. They have accidents. Just when you need them, they can dump the whole workload on you. They put others at risk. Insist that people who do not get proper rest do so. Now that was number one. Take care of yourself. And this is important. This is not something just to blow off and go, oh, listen to him talking. This is important. These things that I give you are tools. To the degree you use them, to that degree you'll survive better in many, many, many circumstances. Okay, so you've decided you want to buy a firearm. I'm going to tell you how to do it. There's more to buying a firearm than just saying, oh, I think I'll buy that gun. What you need to do first, everyone, if you aren't trained in handling firearms, I mean handguns and long guns, and a long gun is a long gun, like a gun that's longer, such as a shotgun or a rifle. Go get training. Any indoor range, gun range, anywhere in the United States will have an NRA certified instructor on staff or available at least one day a week go get trained get your nra approved training get it out of the way it's basically safety training and some functionality training well first you have to determine your purpose you're going to want to know for, I mean, let me back up here let me back up who the hell am i to tell you how to buy a gun i was a master gunsmith for 25 years i'm a certified weapons master you can give me any firearm i don't care what it is blindfold me, I'll tell you what it is. And I'll take it apart, blindfolded. Might have a little difficulty putting it back together, blindfolded, but I could still do it, eventually. So I've got the bona fides. I know guns. And the, the important thing here is, what is your purpose? Why, are you, why do you want to buy a firearm? You want it for investment? Well, they're great investments if you get the right ones. Too many of them are just simple, generic crap. So if you want an investment firearm, you'll have to do your own research on that. There are very many different uh, variables out there. There are some highly collectible guns like uh, 1800 Colt revolvers, commemorative Winchesters. There's, there's a lot of different types. If it's more like in the realm of self-defense, hunting, or training, this is what you need to determine. And then it's not just that. It, you have to determine what do you want. You want a handgun? You want a rifle? You want a shotgun? Now, the best thing to do is try before you buy. Go to an indoor gun range. Find one locally that allows you to test the different types of firearms they have. And you'll pick some up. I had a friend that wanted a 454 Kasul. 
He saw all the ads, and it was going to be coming out soon. This is a forty-five caliber revolver. It was, it, in fact, it was used by John Candy in one of the uh, one of the uh, comedies that he was in. Uh, it is, it was the most powerful production handgun made in the world. It was a forty-five caliber round, but it was the lengthier index finger. This friend of mine, because he's a badass, he goes, I want this gun. I'm going to buy it. It was $1,800. He saved up his money, and when it came out, he bought it. So I took it apart. I polished the action up so it was smooth as cat snot, and we went out to the range. This this was funny. So this guy's a biker, right? He's all muscle. So he takes his handgun, and he gets in the perfect stance on a on the range, right? there. He just He's ready, and pulls the trigger and boom the gun flies over his shoulder directly into the garbage can it just it was so astounding it set off all the alarms because of the concussion that it did it set off all all the uh, alarms around the area and he was in shock well we pulled it out of there and he fired a few more rounds out of it and then I fired a couple rounds out of it, and he said, that's it, I, I can't handle this gun. So you've got to be able to handle the firearm and be comfortable with whatever firearm you get for whatever purpose. And that's the important part. So if you want self-defense, you want close-in, do you want mid-range? When I say close-in, I'm talking front door just got kicked in by two thugs. When I say mid-range... You're driving along on the interstate and you see uh, uh, 100 yards in front of you five or six thugs with guns ready to shoot you. So you want something with a little more range. If you have, uh, if you're, have, if you're familiar with handguns, then you can go ahead and get yourself a semi-automatic weapon. That's fine because see, a semi-automatic handgun, you simply pull the slide back and release the slide and a round is chambered automatically into the into the uh, barrel and each time you pull the trigger the slide comes back ejects the spent casing on the way forward grabs another round out of the magazine that's in the grip and pushes it home into the barrel ready for you to fire again if you have to be able to understand how this functions a semi-automatic handgun now if it jams you'll most people will just stand there with this stupid look on their face, not knowing what to do. So you need to be familiar with the, with that weapon. A revolver is different. It is idiot-proof. You pull the trigger. It's that simple. If it doesn't go off, you give it a few seconds, pull the trigger again. The cylinder rotates, goes to the next round. Why do you wait a few seconds? Because it could have what's called a hang fire. It means the primer might not have burst enough strength to uh, ignite the powder, the charge in the cartridge. But it could slow burn and then all of a sudden ignite it. And you don't want a cartridge around going off with the cylinder having been already rotated a little bit because that'll blow your pistol up. And there's all kinds of different calibers. And they go from the little 22 caliber all the way up to, and I wouldn't waste my time with anything above 45 ACP, automatic cartridge pistol. Uh, there's a lot of esoteric rounds out there, and I don't I don't recommend any of them. Esoteric is a round that like you can't walk into Walmart and buy it, or a, you know a normal gun shop and buy it. So you want a normal round caliber would be like nine millimeter, forty S and W, forty five ACP. Those are standard 
self-defense rounds for semi-automatic weapons. Standard self-defense rounds for revolvers would be 38 Special, 357 Magnum, maybe even 45 Long Colt or 45 Colt it's called. But again, you're back to why are you buying it? What is the purpose of it? So again, self-defense with a handgun, you want a good enough caliber that it's going to knock someone down or at least impart enough shock that they change their mind instantly. If you're a phenomenal shot, a 22 will work because it is shot placement. Where do you put the bullet? And this is what gets me. So you see all these cops, and I, and I hate using the term all these, but you see these shootings, these police shootings. The guy's got a knife. Or the guy has a baseball bat. Or the guy has a mud pie. Or the guy has a rock. And they put three rounds center of, center of chest. Boom, guy's dead. Good God, don't they train these officers anymore? You know, I'm sorry about all the litigations and the BS and all of that crap. I can put a round in a guy's shoulder. I can put a round in a guy's leg, knee. I can shoot his foot. Why can't they? Why can't they just wound somebody? I don't get it. If you're going to get a handgun for self-defense, become proficient at it. Practice. The first thing you're going to do is learn about the gun. Here's a surprising thing. Let's say you buy, oh, I don't know. Let's say you buy a Colt or, or uh, uh, oh, what is it called? Let's say you buy a 1911. All right. This is a, a, a military style 45 ACP pistol. Go on YouTube. Type in the name of the pistol you just bought. And you will see thousands of videos showing you everything from how to shoot them to how to clean them to how to disassemble and repair them. Everything's there. So I don't care if you buy a Glock, a Smith & Wesson revolver, a Colt, anything. I don't care what you buy. You can find all the information right there on YouTube. But become proficient with it. Go out to the range at least once a month if you can and shoot about 50 rounds through it. Now, the rule on firearms and cleaning is you shoot it, you clean it the same day. What happens if you don't is that uh, crud builds up inside of a firearm, not just in a barrel, not just, not just in a chamber, but it gets around the outside. It gets, it gets inside of the firing pin block inside of a semi-automatic. It gets everywhere. You need to clean the gun as best as possible the day you shot it because the stuff will start corroding it'll start clogging up i made i made thousands and thousands of dollars cleaning law enforcement firearms most of them use H, they would use an h&k or a sig sauer or uh, smith and wesson or glock and they have what's called a firing pin block you remove the slide from the top of the from the firearm from the frame, turn it over, and there's a block inside of there that ha- that holds the firing pin inside, and it's a small, thin passageway the firing pin moves through. So the residue from from cheap ammo clogs up that, and eventually the gun won't even fire. So we charged money to tear the gun down and clean it, and it's because they never clean it; they wipe it off. That's it. Well, I shot it. Let me wipe it off. That's not good enough. You clean it. Again, YouTube's your friend. It'll show you how to clean it. Get a cleaning kit. Whatever firearm you buy, get a cleaning kit for it. Sure, there's a lot of uh, uh, universal cleaning kits out there. That's fine. But make sure it'll it'll work on on the uh, firearm that you're buying. 
recommendation is have a holster that would be comfortable for you. I don't recommend these cheap $12 Uncle Mike nylon, black nylon holsters unless it's comfortable for you. I recommend a suede-lined leather like a Bianchi. And so it's something that fits you. And, and again, this is another thing. How are you going to carry this gun? Are you going to carry it in the open? Are you going to carry it in the woods? Are you going to carry it in a shoulder holster? Are you going to carry it concealed? You have to figure that out. Now, we're only talking handgun here. And when you do buy a firearm, whether it's a handgun or a, or a long gun, you're going to have to figure out your household's security level and your household's responsibility level. Now, my household, when my son was born, when he was six months old, he was out of the range with me. He had earplugs in his ear and headphones over his head, and I was explaining to him and showing him what a Colt 45 does. He just loved that all to hell. You have to determine that because that determines how you're going to store this firearm. A firearm is worthless for self-defense if it's hidden in a safe. You can forget it. That's, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. It's no longer for self-defense. So you'll have to determine how you're going to maintain the position of that firearm. Where are you going to keep it? Logically, don't keep it where some, some child can grab it. And don't think, just because you tell your, your eight-year-old kid, don't ever go in my room and touch my handgun, that he's going to obey. You know, there's different things you can get. There's, there's, there are safes. There's instant safes. In fact, Costco sells them. Home Depot sells them. Lowe's sells them that you just put your hand on. They're, they're about a foot square and six inches deep. You put your hand on top and you press in a certain manner. That's the, the uh, password to open a safe. It opens up and you can reach in and grab the gun real quick. There's also custom wall mounts, custom uh, clocks, custom, all kinds of different furniture where you can keep your firearms handy. But you need to make sure that nobody can be harmed because you left your firearm in a position where it can be grabbed. And that thing, that includes, let's say your kid brings somebody home from school someday and they decide, he decides to brag to his best friend that daddy has a Cobra 9mm. Let me show you. That's not okay. That's for self-defense, right? This is, we're talking self-defense. Let's say you want for training, which the training would be would be a target practice. And usually target practicing is, is like a 22. And those guns, the most accurate ones are going to be a semi-automatic. And we're talking handguns here. Most accurate is going to be a semi-automatic. Uh, Smith & Wesson makes one, makes makes a couple of them. Ruger makes some. Uh, Colt makes some. There's so many of them out there in the market now, it's astounding. Remember, you shoot it, you clean it. And if you're going to get a semi-automatic handgun, make sure you buy at least a half a dozen spare magazines. If you have the funds, buy the factory ones. The reason is is that some of the aftermarket ones don't feed properly. And instead of pushing, uh, allowing your slide to gently grasp the next round and pull it up into the chamber, it will pop it up and turn it sideways and your slide will close on a, on a round st- sticking straight up. So it's best to get factory magazines or uh, high quality magazines that are recommended for that weapon. Now, the, the, the training part also, there's another gizmo you can get for training. Let's say you get a um, Sig Sauer with an exposed hammer. So that means exposed hammer means you can cock it 
to pull the trigger. And you cock it again, pull the trigger, cock it again, pull the trigger. Now, it's not recommended to dry fire firearms of any kind. When you pull the trigger, the firing pin will slam forward with the intent of reaching resistance against the primer of the cartridge you have in the chamber. And that fires it. it when you dry fire, that's what that's what it's called when you have no round in the chamber and you're just clicking it, just clicking the revolver or the gun or the auto, whatever it is. That can break the firing pin. So there actually are dummy rounds with Teflon primers in them that you can put in the uh, the chamber and you can dry fire it. So instead of going tink, 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 it goes boom. Okay, and those are practice rounds. You can you can pick those up all kinds of places. eBay even sells them. Any caliber, name a caliber. Everything from oh, let's see, everything from a twenty no a thirty two automatic, three eighty nine millimeter, thirty eight special, three fifty seven magnum, thirty eight super, forty five ACP, forty five long colt, thirty out six, twelve gauge, three oh eight. You name it. Any caliber, you can have those practice those uh, those those safety rounds and use them. So then you'll get the feel of how the gun functions in your hand. There's also something if you want to spend the money. There's a little round that you can buy that's a, that's a laser emitter. And it slides in the chamber and every time the firing pin hits the primer, it it squirts the laser. The laser ignites. And you can get laser activated targets. So you pull the trigger and you see this little red dot show up on the target. 25 feet away or 50 feet away. Now that's cool. That really helps in training, especially in uh, speed from the holster out to, to use. Uh, there's also, and if you want to go up further than that, it, when I say further, I mean expense wise, there's games out there you can buy to where you actually train live action game. I've worked in some of those. That's a trip where you have these dummies pop up out of nowhere you walk through a course and you have these dummies pop up off the floor they're uh and you shoot you're supposed to shoot them you're supposed to determine if it's a if it's a, an aggressor or, or a, a passive person or a civilian or what have you the, uh, the when you hit the dummy it, it'll go down and it tells you where you hit it if you hit it in the head and hit it in the, in the chest if you hit it in the groin the hip or what have you those are cool. That's that's a, that's a, that's a lot of money for toys, though. I can tell you right now. The, the another realm of self defense would be a long gun, a shotgun, as it were. See, most of the time, people think of self defense. It's their house. A rifle. It's a smaller cartridge, more used for hunting, for killing game. And a rifle cartridge, and a rifle cartridge could be anything from. 223 that kind of stuff that's going to go through your wall your door your wall the door next door the wall his wall the, you know what i mean that's way too powerful for that for in-home self-defense i like a low-powered handgun and that would be like a 38 special or even a 45 with me it doesn't matter because i'm a good enough shot if i ever had to i'd kneecap him but one of the best home defense weapons ever made is a 12-gauge shotgun. Now, if that's too strong for you, you can think about a 20-gauge. But you get a pump shotgun. I don't care how screwed up somebody is. If they hear somebody 
rack the pump of a shotgun through their front door, uh, they're going to go away. And I've had, I've sold many, many hundreds and hundreds of pump shotguns in my career. And I've had dozens of people tell me, yes, somebody threatened me at my house and I just picked the shotgun up and I just crank, crank, and they took off. No ammo in it, just made the sound, just crank the, you know, the pump. You have a button for release and you pull back and it's supposed to push a round, a live round into the uh, injector and then you pull the slide forward and it puts it into the chamber ready to fire that's a pump shotgun there's semi-automatic shotguns also they're much more expensive and they're a little harder to take care of a pump shotgun is one of the oldest uh, military weapons known to man cartridge weapon it was used in the Spanish-American war Uh, again you get a shotgun don't just buy the shotgun say oh look Big 5 has them on sale you know $149.95 or what have you and by the way you look at uh, Walmart uh, Big 5 Sporting Goods Cabela's Sportsman's Warehouse or whatever sporting goods store big, big ones big box stores you have near you you can get some hell of a deals on shotguns believe me that is it is phenomenal some of the prices they have don't just buy it. Buy yourself a couple boxes of rounds. And for home defense, you don't want double lot buck. You want something like number six to number 12 shot, pigeon shot, dove shot. You don't want the pellets continuing on down the street if you do have to fire the round. So you go and get those and you test fire them. You take it out to a range or wherever you can. And then, you know, you're not going to be hitting uh, a squirrel at 100 feet with this thing. This is for. I don't know, 25, 50 feet, depending on what round you have. See, with a shotgun, you have different rounds you can put in there. Just because it looks like a shotgun shell doesn't mean it doesn't, it's 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 not deadly. Uh, some shotgun shells, shells actually have four or five 38 caliber balls in them. And some will have 150 little pellets in them. So it just depends on what round you buy. But you go out there and you get used to it and shoot it. When you shoot a shotgun... You make sure it's firmly up against your shoulder. This is not a VW bug. This is a Maserati in heat. So you remember that. Don't play around. Be firmly in control. You are. A firearm is an inanimate object. You are firmly in control of it. Now, where are you going to buy these things? We're going to talk more about this some other time. Before you buy one, see if you can test fire it. I told you about that. Uh, Do your research on the quality... And you also want to make sure you can get parts easily for this and you can get ammo easily for this. Now, there's a book you can get. It's called The Blue Book of Gun Values by S.P. Fiedstedt. And I have the 36th edition right here. It's about six inches thick, weighs about 10 pounds, and it has almost every firearm ever manufactured listed in it and the conditions condition determines the value of the firearm that's something you got to be careful of now whatever you do don't do anything hinky do nothing illegal okay there's places you can buy guns gun store you but you're going to fill out the uh, paperwork you're going to fill out a 4473 okay uh, local paper some some, some guy is just selling a, a gun you check it out and if you want to buy it you buy it right uh, gun show or your friends. Now, if you do a gun store, I told you, you're going to fill out the registration. Check your local laws. Every every state has different psychosis in it. 
you can buy on the uh, internet, by the way. You go on like gunbroker.com or other places that sell firearms. You're not going to buy it directly. You'll have to have a local federal firearms licensee who can receive the firearm. You can buy it over the internet and they'll ship it to him and then you fill the paperwork out with him. Now, if you buy it through, like if you go to a gun show, most of the people at gun shows aren't dealers. So they don't care about receipts. Or I'm sorry, they don't care about paperwork. They care about receipts and that's all. Maybe you'll find a gun you like at a gun show, but the guy's a dealer. Well, you're going to fill out paperwork. So this is up to you. I always recommend no paperwork, so there's no paper trail. But you got to check your local laws. Some of you live in places that have the uh, psychosis of liberalism there. In other words, your Democrats are in control of you. Always bring a bore light when you're looking at guns. I don't care if it's a handgun, a shotgun, or a rifle. Bring a bore light. A bore light is, is either a specifically made flashlight that, that is not overly bright. That you can, you, you know, you, you open the, the chamber of a gun and you stick the bore light in the chamber and you get up on the muzzle in and you look. You want to make sure there's no rings inside of there. You want to make sure it's clean. Never buy a firearm that's not clean. If you, you guy's got a gun that you want and its barrel's dirty, ask him to clean it for you. If he doesn't, he's trying to hide something from you. You get these guns that have rings in them. That means a round is blown up inside of it. Or the or barrels that have rotted out. You don't want any of that crap. The uh, You can do... Now, what I do sometimes, I have a little piece of white paper. And I stick that in the chamber. And I look in the muzzle. And I move it around to where the light's reflecting off the white paper up the chamber. So, it's you know, that's you can do that. You check out the finish on the outside. Is it worn? If it's supposed to be blued, you want it all blued. You don't want some light gray spots on it where it's been worn coming in and out of the holster. All of these things make change the value of the gun. Let's say uh, a, a Smith and Wesson Model 10 is worth 300 bucks in mint condition. That's a six-shot revolver, 38 special. So guy's got one, but he's carried it in a holster for 10 years. So the bluing's worn off the cylinder on both sides. That knocks about 25 bucks off the value right there. Now there's also stainless. Now stainless does not mean rustless. It means stainless. Remember that. Stainless is good because it's very forgiving. Literally, I've dropped a revolver in uh, in the lake, and it took me a week to find it and get it out. Never rusted. I just wiped it down, cleaned it up, and it was good as new. Blued? That ain't going to happen, believe me. There's also nickel coating. If you want a pimp gun, something to really impress people, well, you get it nickel-plated. Nickel and there's other different, there's all kinds of other different finishes that you can get on firearms. So you're looking for cosmetic damage. You're looking for rust. You're looking for scrapes. You're looking for broken sights, broken triggers. Uh, the grips or the stock has been fractured and repaired or not repaired. So you, you look at these things. Say you're looking at a shotgun and the buttstock is sloppy loose on there. Ask the guy, can you tighten this up for me? If there's something blatantly wrong with a firearm and the guy won't do anything that's easy to fix it right then, walk away. Or offer him tenth what he's asking. Then you're going to check your your function. If it's a a handgun that has a, a, a hammer, cock it. Move the action. Make sure the trigger functions. Make sure the hammer drops. If it's a revolver, make sure the cylinder rotates freely. Make sure the cylinder's lined up. See, when you pull the hammer back on a revolver, the next chamber cylinder will rotate over and the round should be lined up with the, the uh, chamber of the barrel. 
If it's not lined up perfectly, that's called out of time. So it needs to be timed properly. So that means it's going to be it's going to need some work done to it. A bolt action rifle, pull the bolt out. Look down the chamber. Look in the barrel. Make sure everything's functioning perfectly. Make sure every firearm you look at, whether it's a handgun or a long gun, make sure the safety works. There's a lot of semi-automatic handguns that the safeties have been uh, broken off of or filed down. Make sure the safety works. If you're looking at a lever-action rifle like a Winchester or a Marlin, make sure that this thing functions. Make sure it functions. Use common sense. A pump-action rifle or shotgun, work the action. Make sure it works. Use common sense. Again, this is all common sense. Now, here's a little trick that I used. Get a quarter-inch dowel about six inches long. A dowel, okay? Wooden, a little wood stick. Make sure it's perfectly flat on both ends. Because what you're going to do, you want to know if the gun fires. Well, then, say you go to a gun show and you're looking at, you're looking at some revolvers. Well, how are you going to know if that thing fires? You can't. Unless you cock the gun and you stick, you aim the gun straight up. Obviously, it's unloaded. And you drop the dowel straight down the muzzle to where it sits on the back of the fire, on the fr- where the firing pin will come out. And then pull the trigger. Now, the firing pin should hit that dowel hard enough to where the dowel either jumps up two or three inches or flies out of the barrel. It's easy to tell on a handgun. It's harder to tell on a, on a rifle, but you can listen for it. You, and this works, a quarter-inch dowel works on every thirty caliber gun there is. 9mm, 38, 357, 30-06, Okay, they're all basically the same 9mm thing. Cock the bolt, close it, lower the, uh, drop the, drop the dowel down the muzzle, put it up to your ear, pull the trigger. You should hear the dowel fly up and drop back down. Then you know it works. So make sure... Everything that's functional is functional on a firearm. And then, now you've already done your due diligence, so you should know what the value of this thing is. And you you judge that not just on what the book says, but on whether or not you want it right now, whether or not it's rare, whether or not it's uh, an investment, whether or not you need a gun. (laughs) There's many variables. How to buy a firearm is pretty important, so we will, again, we'll talk talk more about this later in, in another show, and I'll get more in-depth to it. Now, uh, I've only got a minute left, so I hope I educated you a little bit and armed you a little bit better to survive in your day-to-day routine. Go to survivalenterprises.com or se1.us and take a look at the stuff we have for sale. Uh, starting next week, we're going to have the colloidal minerals on sale 20% off. If you're not on our email list, give me an email, kw at armchairsurvivalist.com, and I'll be more than happy to add you to our email list so that you'll hear what kind of deals we got going. And you might hear from me once a month if I remember. I only email out if there's uh, something important going on or there's a sale or if there's something changing with Survival Enterprises. And you can always reach us, 800-753-1981. It's 800-753-1981. You can go to armchairsurvivalist.com forward slash chat. Well, chat.html, I think it is. Anyway, go to armchairsurvivalist.com. Click on the chat room. Go in there. You can listen to the show there. Uh, You go there. You can scroll down. You'll see all the many different ways to listen to Armchair Survivalist. Keep your uh, nose in the air and your ear to the ground. And this is the Armchair Survivalist signing off. Till next time.